Welcome to Creative Place, the podcast for creative placemakers. I'm your host, Andrea Orlando. In this episode, I interview two artists, a poet and an actor, who have created a program they call Positive Policing. The program employs the tools of their trade to role-play interactions between law enforcement officers and young men of color. Their ultimate goal is to make those encounters safer. The two New Mexico-based artists, Hakeem Bellamy and Daryl Deloach, attended the West Creative Placemaking Leadership Summit in Albuquerque to demonstrate their method with other creative placemakers in the Western and Rocky Mountain states. Tell me a little bit about the Positive Policing Program, and Hakeem, I'll ask you to go first. So the idea of positive policing is, um, is, is, is actually a direct response kind of to the, um, what do I want to say, kind of to the, uh, the idea that we all know what we don't want policing to be, right? We all have a very clear opinion. We don't all necessarily have to agree on that opinion, but we all have a really clear thing of what we think policing shouldn't be, but we rarely talk about what it, what it should be and what it should look like. And that's where like the creative imaginative practice comes into play because oftentimes artists are kind of charged with what world is possible. I mean, there's always a lot of, you know, rhetorical political artists like myself who who kind of talk about what's wrong to the world or reacting to the world that we live in. But um, the real iterative, productive production part of being an artist is putting ideas and visions out there for what you want the world to be. And uh, that's done through play, it's done through poetry, it's done through visual art, it's done through all of the kind of imaginative arts that really um, challenge us to be better. And that, to me, that's what positive policing is. That's what I always say. I always say that what artists bring to addressing a social challenge is their ability to imagine a different reality, a better reality. Um, Daryl, maybe you could tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, this positive policing program and what you bring to it as an actor? Um, well, yeah, the, the basis of the role play um, is, is uh, I'm, I'm going to use the, the term pretending um, and, uh, or uh, make-believe. And the idea is, as an actor, the, uh, the effort that I make to make that experience as realistic for an officer is what I as an actor bring to it. But positive policing has sort of come out of that. And um, it's really, as Hakim was saying, it's more creating an artistic vision to the idea of, of that interaction. Um, when we see these, these terrible things on, on the internet and, and such, um, it leaves a very visceral you know, feeling in your body about Though you know encountering a police officer, so uh, as as Hakeem was sort of illustrating, you, you know you're you're making believe a better reality, and as an actor, I think uh, making that as convincing uh, an experience is what it's all about. Maybe for our listeners, you could walk us through how one of your workshops goes. Uh, what, uh, is it different every time, or is there sort of a flow that you usually follow, and how does that work? Yeah. Well, uh, I'll uh, go from our examples in the past. Um, I, I like to sort of say, Hakeem, 
uses uh, has brought the attention of theater of the oppressed games and and play to my attention and uh, we use that as well as some uh, writing exercises in in a way that I almost sort of feel is disarming to the you know it's we don't jump right into the subject mm -hmm. we sort of ease into it at first um, with you know a writing exercise you know getting people to express some of their feelings about being there and some of their concerns and we use that to draw some of the subject matter we may then choose to explore but uh, like I said the getting them off their feet and sort of in, in closer contact with each other first and uh, and then we sort of ease into other aspects of, of the actual event. Mm -hmm. And we use those those games that Daryl spoke about, the theater of the press games, to kind of begin to address issues of fear and power. Uh, those games are basically rooted in, um, without coming right out and saying it, getting them to fill into their natural dispositions or positions of power. So they're like partner exercises where one person will lead one person around the room. So you have to trust that the person's not gonna bump you into a wall, right? And that then we have a discussion after that around, you know, how did you feel when you were kind of just blindly following orders? And later you see that same dynamic in a traffic stop where it's like, pull out your ID please get out the car, please stand over here, do this, do that. And what happens when we kind of give up, give up that authority? And so we want them to like live that, we want that to be in their bones and in their muscles, so that then by the time we get to like the real, um, the irony, listening to Daryl talk, the real more confined, because your car is only so big and we're at a traffic stop or um, uh, we're a mall cop and we're you know questioning you about maybe shoplifting and these are the scenarios that we're ultimately gonna play out using um, theater, uh, we've already kind of got you you know, it's already in your bones that you're that you're like, huh? That was interesting. That felt uncomfortable. Um, I'm sitting with this, and now we're gonna later we're gonna ask you to unpack it. I don't know if you mentioned it already, but you do some role reversal, right? In this ex in these exercises, yeah. Um, maybe one of you could talk a little bit about that. Well, well, that's the that was sort of the spark that came to me that made me approach Hakeem about the idea because I had been doing, you know, role play with law enforcement for, you know, a decade at that point. And um, I really sort of, I'm not even sure how it came, but then I sort of saw the opportunity, like, wow, what if, what if we switch roles and have an officer take the, the um, you know, sit in the car, see in the driver's seat and, and have a citizen approach them and role play with an officer and I, I realized that there was something that that could happen there and um, as we sort of discussed it and ruminated about what it what it could look like um, you know it was like a light going off in in my mind about oh that's that's where the magic starts to happen yeah and it really shifts the power dynamic you know um, the good thing about art and theater it's just like when you're watching a, a scary movie you know at some point it's going to be over <laughs> you're going to breathe mm -hmm. and you're going to everybody's going to leave and go home yeah. safely probably too full of toxic popcorn but otherwise <laughs> very safe right um this has that same kind of like we know that these are contained experiences and so it's helpful for the officer it's helpful for the the youth oftentimes youth participants um oftentimes youth of color participants who don't have a lot of positive experiences interacting with officers it's like okay we're just we're just playing and it'll be over soon um but your body in the moment doesn't necessarily know that. And so this kind of psychosomatic thing that's happening um, is where like there's 
there's some therapy, there's some healing, there's some teaching. Like that's where that's kind of happening on a subliminal level. But the actual like what I thought was genius about when we started getting officers who and tip my hat to those kind of officers who are willing to like play, who are willing yeah. to be like in full uniform, right? Because they're like on duty oftentimes. <laughs> but they they're like, okay, I'll, I'll pretend I'm the the guy without his license or yeah. even the drunk guy. No, so they're acting, right? And now the kid, or the kid, excuse me, the young person can <laughs> has to like walk up on the car and they're learning all of the things that, you know, the, the officer has been trained to consider. Yeah. Why, are you, why is that person reaching in the, in the glove box? Um, is there another person in the car? Uh, I, I can't quite see into the back seat. I don't know what's happening in the back seat. And so usually afterwards, we just ask them to be like, we ask the, the young person, so what did it feel like? When you when you were the officer and you were coming up with car, he was like, oh, I was kind of, it was kind of anxiety inducing. I was a little <laughs> bit afraid, and it was like, hmm, that's interesting. Like you got to also kind of feel how the officer may feel when he just wants to go home at night, right? You know, and so having these these kind of role reversals to me was was a little bit magic in that um, officers got to be humans, yeah. and the young people got to kind of see. You know, for, for better or for worse, they got to see that, hey, this, this guy probably just wants to go home tonight, too. And maybe both parties act differently next time they're out in the world because they've had this experience. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the, Hakim often uses the term low stakes. And, and I really think, you know, that's, that's where everyone sort of understands that it's, it's play. It's, it's, you know, interacting in, in a way that's, you know, the tension isn't there. But... All of a sudden, those the the reasons for the tension still appear within the role play. Yeah, I'm reminded of that um, when we first started doing this work, um, and we would talk about like uh, it, the way we would talk about it would be like, hey, you know, um, if I had if I'm a young man of color, particularly a young black man, because this was like right after uh, during Black Lives Matter when it was really at its height of, of street protests. Um, it's like you know, if I've had ten experiences in my life as a 25 year old young man with law enforcement, nine and a half of them have been negative. You know, right. um, maybe one time, you know, I locked my keys in my car and they came and helped me out. But every other, every other interaction, I've been the suspect. Um, and so we were like, at the end of the day, if we, let's say we were able to do these in, in Albuquerque for the next five years, we would hope that we shift the balance of that proportion and through yeah. these kind of low stakes Interactions Like, I, I might even remember this officer's name. This officer may pull me over five years from now and say, hey, weren't you the kid in that? And so it's like, hey, so maybe now you have four out of ten interactions that are, that are positive with police officers at the end of the day. And, and, and where it hits home to me is that my son played baseball for, like, one season. And I remember one of the assistant coaches, uh, one of the other kids' dads, was an officer. And most days he was there in a baseball cap and, and, and whatever, but occasionally he'd come from work and he'd be yeah. full uniform out there, like not really in the dirt coaching, but like <laughs> he came from work, he's just picking his son up, right? Yeah. And uh, I always thought that was powerful for my son because it was like he got to see a police officer as a dad, as a regular person. And so he may not have that kind of systemic fear that young men of color grow up with because, because of the high proportion of those bad experiences because to him it's just going to be like, oh yeah, that's like my, my classmate's dad, you know? And that's how he'll see officers as... When they, even when they pull him over, he'll be like, oh, that's somebody's dad, right? Yeah. You know, until, exactly. until he has more negative experiences than positive ones, and then he'll be jaded like the rest of us. <laughs> well, for, and, for good reason. <laughs> well, and, and, and even speaking, like, you know. speaking to that jaded, those jaded experiences, I, I myself was raised by a father who was in the military and also in law enforcement. So, I mean, that idea of seeing 
you know, man with a gun belt and a badge as, you know, someone that you can, you know, associate or relate to was, was something that I actually had. So it, it reduced my fear when I did encounter police, even though I encountered them many times as a young man in, in town. Um, I, was, I actually was able to sort of feel more comfortable, and as a result, um, I'm not going to say I got away with things, but I, I, those experiences, interactions were generally positive. And that was the thing that, you know, as we saw these things developing with, with, uh, across the nation and in these cities with young black men, we were, you know, I was like, wait, they, that's not how it should be. Yeah, this, we use this, this, this role play, this moment, this space we create is an opportunity to bring those respective parties together at a time when they were being pushed further and further apart, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. So. Can you tell me a little bit about your proudest moment uh, doing this work? And uh, I'll let you go one at a time. Who wants to go first? Let's go at the same time. <laughs> one, two, three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll let I'll let Hakim elaborate on the story. But I mean, it, it was just during one of our events um, with a, a group of young men and some uh, officers, deputies, and I think it was all deputies. Uh, sheriffs, county and county. City. Yeah, there were a few mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just um, you know, as as we say, a lot of times it's not the activities that we're doing themselves, it's sort of the stuff that happens around it that is really where we see the change happening. And this was one of those experiences that was just happened without our knowing that it was going to occur. Yeah, and that's where, you know, the art of being a facilitator, much much of our creative placemaking audience, a lot of you out there are, are facilitators. Like you go into community spaces and you try to create a trajectory of experiences or conversation that help people, you know, arrive at arrive at some sort of revelation. You don't try to uh, dictate it. Right. Um, it's not didactic. You're not like, hey, you need to learn this before you leave. It's more like, how do we create a space where people have these their own kind of revelations? Um, in this particular venue, it was actually a project that was part of. Um, it was a city project around. I think it was the Prospero. Uh, uh, grant and they were honoring people who were doing amazing work in the community and uh, the My Brother's Keeper Alliance was also in town and they were involved in like um, honoring these organizations that were doing amazing work but before that they had a day day's worth of programming and um, they invited us to be part of that to kind of see to see us conduct this work and um, yeah it was amazing Uh, there was such a good turnout of young people in fact that room at the uh, uh, African American Performing Arts Center was was packed so we couldn't even do our normal kind of theater of the oppressed power exercise we like to you know get people moving and in their bodies that's that's the the movement piece for all my dancers and choreographers out there (laughs) Um, but but we were instead we used one of our our um, written writing exercises and prompts and used, uh, you know, index cards and uh, had both officers and young people write their fears. Like, what's your fear about even being here and having an honest, open conversation with law enforcement in the room? We had the officers in a different room kind of write, what's your normal fear being here today and having this conversation with young people? Like, we didn't make it abstract. In the past, we've made it like, tell us your biggest fears when you're pulled over or something. It was just like, are you, why do you have anxiety about being here today? And so we started in this conversation about fear before the first role play. And in between each role play, we were kind of, I was, we were, we had themed all the cards and they were like, here's a couple of themes that have come from everyone's fears. Let's talk about them. And like the first card we pulled led to a young man in our group raising his hand and saying like, I had a 
this is, this is a situation that actually happened to me, and I was terrified. And he went into how he was in a dressing room at a mall, and the, the, the store person uh, thought he was uh, suspicious and called the mall police officer. Mall police officer kind of matched the description of yeah. a previous shoplifting suspect. Yes. They said. Yes. And so the, the officer comes, and, you know, no questions asked, you know, starts to question this young man and uh, make him feel criminal um and it kind of escalated i don't know what the if the outcome was like he had to he had to go answer questions and yeah. and kind of be pulled aside and eventually uh i guess was let go but you can imagine for a young teen that's a traumatic experience being accused of something you didn't do uh feeling profiled because you were a black male for mm-hmm. for doing it because that fit the description as daryl said and um by the time he's done talking everybody in the room is very engaged in this story and he's like oh by the way that officer standing right here. And we were like, oh, oh, no. And so uh, there went whatever programming we had for the rest of the, <laughs> for the rest of the workshop. And it was like, okay, let's let's have this conversation. And you know, it was awkward for the officer. He definitely tried to over-explain himself, and, and you can't over-explain why. And this was an officer. This other this officer was a man of color too. I think we have to say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, different ethnicities, but both men, yeah. both men of color at this point, and. Uh, to watch them go through it was powerful. To watch them yeah. reckon with this um, in public, you yeah. know, that uh, opportunity the young man might not ever have gotten. Many times we all feel like we've been uh, wrongly accused of things and then it's over and it's gone. You never get to double back and yeah. have any kind of reckoning. And uh, it was powerful for the other officers in the yeah. room to see their impact on people as well when, you know, it's just another case to them and then they're off to the next thing and yeah. that people's lives years later are impacted by those experiences. So. Yeah. Well, and, and I, want to, I want to point out, too, at the time we arrived, um, the officers that were in attendance did not know that we were going to rope them into the role play. And they thought they were just there to sort of... Tell kids know, how to stay out of trouble. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't, you know, it was finger. like dare or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, because I work with them, um, you know, I was able to convince them, like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to engage in some role play. We're going to talk about these issues. And I, I have to admit, most of them were very reluctant at first. And uh, to have that, you know, outcome come out of it, it was the very thing I feel they may have been trying to avoid, but the very thing we wanted. Right. And, and, and you know, again, tip my hat to those officers for taking that. For, for them, it's a risk because a lot of the authority that we um, confer upon them in society is because of that stoicism, that separation. You know, uh, officers see horrible things in the street every day and have to go home to their family. So some of that is their their natural defense mechanism. A lot of it is systemic, like we separate them in that way. And the work we do is trying to, to break down those walls and to bring them back into like the human sphere. And you know, would, would that have, you know, if they had it all over to do again, would that officer not be just so, so um, I don't know, rude and about it with with the young man or they're just right. you know like it's not like he wouldn't have done his job because right. of our workshop but maybe from now on he he will not be able to not think about this right. when he's approaching someone in in a in a, in a dressing room right <laughs> this is not someone who robbed a bank this is yeah. just a kid who's like you know and yeah. so it's like how do we create these moments that they remember yeah. and that help them with their customer service if you will yeah. so you know so yeah and and i i, I like to point out i uh that the role play that I, you know, started doing, you know, over 10 years ago, I have to give credit to, uh, an, it was actually an officer, and I, I'm 
sorry that I can't remember his name, but he's retired now, but 30 years ago, he's the one who sort of said, hey, you know, normally it's officers who are role-playing with each other, but he's the one who sort of said, what if we got real actors to do it? And that's sort of the, you know, it was their initiative to create something a little more authentic that led us down the road to where we are now. Yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, I'm always, the, it's great that Daryl and I are both artists. I think it's, it's especially important that Daryl does this other work because he is our connection to, to the officers. Um, I think our wish list, you know, if we can, if we can dream here with you at the, <laughs> on the podcast is that, you know, that this isn't just the officers that, you know, most of the times officers that participate in this work, um, it's not like the situation that we that Daryl just described. Usually they know exactly what they're coming to. We mm -hmm. talked to them before. Um, the officers that we'll be using at this conference, they already know what it is. We send them the whole rundown, play by play. Um, and those are the officers that already believe in this work. Yeah. What we really need are the officers who, you know, the problem officers. They're the ones who need this more, right? Yeah. And so we're like hopeful that as we expand this work, if you're listening out there, that, you know, we can kind of work this stuff into this kind of work that's community engagement that's community facing and actually create these opportunities as part of like training protocol at, for different departments around the country um, even for discipline stuff like you know if I'm a bad driver I have to go to class maybe maybe this is something that can be used in, in that vein as well so yeah the, the the dream is to get youth that may be on track to uh, you know having problems in school, encounters with the law and courts already and to get them together with the officers who may have some some issues with dealing with the public. Those are the ones that we want to, to engage in this. I mean, when we um, do our event tomorrow, uh, it, it will be the crisis intervention team from APD, uh, their detectives, two of them will participate. And they have worked extensively. I've worked with them for years. They have worked with uh, the mental health um, at the university. So they are definitely advocates for this kind of work and interaction, but the idea is to make it grow. This is a great segue into my next question. Um, I wanted to ask uh, what you'll be doing exactly at this conference, and uh, because this is a conference for creative placemakers, uh, people who practice different arts um, or have arts approaches that they like to use, and um, maybe talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing for the creative placemakers and who's coming. So, yeah, to that point, Andreas, like how do we use uh, creative strategies, artistic strategies to create the world, the places that um, that we want and believe we can we can have and deserve. And so through this work, obviously, we hope that, you know, it creates better stronger relationships between the community and, and uh, the, the officers um, in the community. And that, you know, through that work, we can lessen fears and anxieties that kind of uh, catalyze these kind of flare-ups that happen in community. And that's me being modest. At yeah. best, we hope it saves lives. We hope it saves yeah. lives of young men that looked like us when we were 20 years younger, as well as officers' yeah. lives. Like, you know, we hope that this can help to um, break down and deconstruct many of the misunderstandings that exist about the work that we ask these officers to do and uh, the desires for the community to not feel like we're under uh, surveillance and, and, and supervision all the time as well. Um, tomorrow, we would like to kind of fishbowl 
the work that we do uh, in a room full of people who do amazing work and some people who even do this work. And we will have officers, Daryl just mentioned, we will have young people actually from two programs that that develop young leaders. And so they're going to be our, our role play uh young men. Um, and then we're just going to run through our work, a short version. We're not going to take up too much time doing that so people can see it. And then let the folks from the conference participate if they like. So of course, raise your hand. We're looking for volunteers. But really after it's over, to really let them, the people who come to our workshop, unpack it. And they'll be able to ask questions of the officers, ask questions of the young men, ask questions of us. Um, and hopefully um, take our work and see if it's useful and yeah. apply it in their community um, selfishly that they would actually say to us, hey, I know people in my home community that do work that's similar and you should know about them and their strategies too. So we hopefully we leave with a, more of an exchange as yeah. opposed to just uh, uh, us modeling our work. So. Yeah. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I noticed that you invited a mental health professional also to be in the workshop. Is that person coming? So, so that was a that was a holdover from an earlier draft <laughs> yeah, of we, our workshop. <laughs> we, yeah, we didn't we didn't submit our uh, description on time. Yeah, so they, so they, they kind of found one. They kind of found well, one I mean, for we, us. We we did we do like I said I still work with uh, you know Dr. Rogers. So I'll be working with him this afternoon. So, um, but. At this event, we're just going to have the crisis intervention team, which themselves are very involved with the mental health. I mean, behavioral health. Behavioral health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they are you know deal with uh, uh, the homeless population. They deal with uh, suicides. They get called out to these events, and um, you know they're they're quite you know familiar with some of those issues. Thank you so much for taking time out of this conference to talk with me. I really appreciate it. I know that there might be other places that you want to be right now, but I'm really glad that we can record this, and I can only hope that it gets shared and disseminated widely so that people can learn whatever, uh, whatever little piece of wisdom they can from this. Thank you, Andrea. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. You've been listening to Creative Place, produced by the National Consortium for Creative Placemaking. Please reach out to us on social media at CP Communities or visit our website at cpcommunities.org and let us know what you think. Bye for now.